Shout for the joy, for joy to the Lord and all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Matt is one of the players on the Millican football team who won last night. Can you congratulate the team? Good stuff. Beat the number 13 team in the nation, right? That means you guys are number 12 now. I like it. All right. Welcome to First Christian Church again today, friends. For those of you who are guests with us today, my name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team, and I'm very glad you're with us today. We're going to take some moments to look at the passage of Scripture that Matt just read for us, Psalm 100. And um, we're doing a little bit, little things a little bit different today. You can notice that uh, both um, for those who are in the East Room and those who are in this room, uh, you may notice on the video, if you will, in the other room, that the piano is way downstage and in the center. And uh, frankly, we've taken my message and we've split it up into three different sections, and we're doing music in between in both rooms. The bands are leading us in both places. And um, the goal is to figure out what Psalm 100 really means. Um, and so if you want to grab your Bible, you could do that, Psalm 100. I'll come to it in just a few minutes. As you're looking for there, I, I, I might point out that I'm not really a royal watcher. I don't, couldn't tell you who the king of Luxembourg is. If they ha- I don't know if they have a king. I don't know who the Prince of Sweden is. Having grown up in Australia and Canada, you know, particularly as a kid in Australia, um, with those being British Commonwealth nations, I have some sense of the, the, you know, royalty a little bit, at least in Britain. Like I know the Prince Harry, this came across the wire this week, Prince Harry, who is number five, soon to be number six in line to the throne, as soon as the Duchess has another baby, and you gotta, perhaps you know all that stuff, but nonetheless, he's been dating an American actress, which is just kind (gasps) of shocking in Great Britain, Um, and apparently this past week, there was a prelude that somehow they announced that they're about to get engaged. There was no announcement made, but just a subtle sign that here's this couple, young couple who've been out, seen around, you know, all around the world for, for months. This past week, it was noticed for the first time that they were holding hands. Ooh, shameful, shameful. But I guess the deal is that royal protocol within Great Britain is that if you are of his lineage, you don't, you, you're, you don't go out in public and hold hands with somebody unless there's a committed relationship and it's leading somewhere. So all of... England is a buzz, apparently, expecting that someday soon they're going to be announcing that the British heir to the throne, down the line, is going to marry, of all things, an American act- actress. Protocol. It's all about protocol for them, and I get it. You're aware of protocol, aren't you? I, um, I was at the community leader's breakfast this past Thursday morning, less than I went, and uh, we arrived a little bit early, and we were, we were at our table where we were going to be, and then on the other side of the table, a fairly large round table, was another couple who we didn't know. And what would protocol say in that moment? Here's how we did it. I got up and went around and introduced myself to the, it was a married couple, and he was probably in his 70s. He stood up, he shook my hand, I shook his hand. I said, this is my wife, Leslie. She nodded, and then he goes, this is my wife, and she nodded. And that was kind of the way in which you do it, sort of, okay? That's the protocol, that's the way it's sort of done, right? If, 
if you're proper at least, I think. I don't know, I'm not very proper at times, but I try to be in those kind. Well, you're proper when you arrive at a, at a house where you don't, you know, if you're gonna go visit someone, what's the protocol? You pull up to the sidewalk or the, the driveway and you, you make your way up on the front porch. You just don't open the door and barge in, do you? What do you do? You ring the bell, you, pull, you knock on the door, you get the knocker and you wait for the invitation to come in. What's the point on this protocol? Well, we're in God's house. And um, scriptures say that wherever two or three people are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of God is there. So the Spirit of God is here. Somehow the God's presence is here. How do we get into that presence? How do we, how do we access God Almighty? Well, Psalm 100 tells us how to do it. I want you to take a look at how one translation puts it. This is from the message, okay? It'll be on the screen. On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Some of you are going, oh great, in order to get into God's presence, I've got to sing. Do you really want me to hear you? Do you really want to hear me sing? Yeah, we want to hear you sing, okay? It's not if what, it doesn't say sing on pitch. It just says sing into God's presence. And what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to, while there, as you, there's the protocol to getting into God's presence. To know this, that God is God, and well, God's God. He made us. We didn't make him. We are his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with this password. How do you get in? How do you get into the, the place where God is? Here's the password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise. Thank him, worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. What we're doing today and leading into next weekend we're trying to create, if you will, uh, a two-week arc, a story of us here uh, in both rooms this weekend, praising God, declaring, you know, giving thanks and using the password, thank you, to enter into God's presence, to declare God's praise. Later on in the service today with your cell phones, we're going to give you some ways in which we can do that interactively as one congregation declaring God's praise. And then after we do that this weekend, then starting tomorrow... Here's an announcement. Heads up. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all week long, three times each day, we're going to invite you to come into prayer. So what we're saying is this, this weekend, we're praising God then. Um, throughout the week, we're going to sit and listen for what God might say. And so if you could come any of those three times, in the morning, at noon, or in the evening, on Monday, all three events are going to be the same presentation. On Tuesday, then it's a new presentation, but all three events are going to be the same presentation. So you pick what, day, what time works best for your schedule. We'd love to see you here all five, all five days because we're praising God right now. We're going to listen to God throughout the week. And then next weekend, we're going to offer prayers of petition that, frankly, we're going to say, God, in light of the fact that we're in your presence, we are, want, we are wanting to experience you in every facet of who you are, including ways that you might want to restore us, ways that you might want to bring new life to our lives, ways that you might want to heal us. And so throughout this week, we're going to be preparing ourselves, praising God, saying thank you, God, and then listening throughout the, the sessions each day, and then next week saying, God, would you hear us about this matter? So in that regard then, as one congregation, would you stand together, please, both East and West auditoriums? And I want you to um, read with me Psalm 100. It's, I invite you to read it out loud. It's going to be on the screens, okay? Here it is. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. 
Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let your heart overflow with praise to the Eternal, for He is good. Praise the true God who reigns over all other gods. His faithful love lasts forever. Praise the Lord who reigns over all lords. His faithful love lasts forever. To him alone who does marvelous wonders. His faithful love lasts forever. Who created the heavens with skill and artistry. His faithful love lasts forever. Who laid out dry land over the waters. Who made the great heavenly lights. His faithful love lasts forever. The sun to reign by day. His faithful love lasts forever. The moon and the stars to reign by night. His faithful love lasts forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of the Egyptians. His faithful love lasts forever. Who set free Israel from Egyptian masters. His faithful love lasts forever. With fierce strength, a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. His faithful love lasts forever. To him who split the Red Sea in two and made a path between the divided waters. His faithful love lasts forever. Then allowed Israel to pass safely through on dry land. His faithful love lasts forever. To him who crushed Pharaoh and his army in the waters of the Red Sea. His faithful love lasts forever. Who guided his people through the desert. His faithful love lasts forever. Who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love lasts forever. Who slaughtered famous kings. His faithful love lasts forever. Sheon, the king of the Amorites. His faithful love lasts forever. And Og, the king of Bashan. To him who gave the conquered land as an inheritance. His faithful love lasts forever. Who made the land a heritage to Israel, his servant. His faithful love lasts forever. To him who remembered us when we were nearly defeated. His faithful love lasts forever. Who rescued us from our enemies. His faithful love lasts forever. Who provides food for every living thing. Let your heart overflow with praise to the true God of heaven. His faithful love lasts forever. I spent 54 years of my life going to church and being very passive. You know, it was my, the ritual growing up. Um, seven kids, we went, we sat in the same pew every week. But not until I started coming here did I really understand what all the Bible had to offer, what I could take from worship and use in my daily life. There are moments within worship, whether it's a song that, you know, just 
brought me to tears or being able to share a moment from service throughout the week. And I just think if I hadn't had that experience, if I hadn't made the decision to go to First Christian Church, there was so much I would have missed out. And there's so much more I want to learn. And that's where I feel seeking becomes a new passion of mine. You know, I, I take what I hear each week and I want to open up the Bible when I get home. Or I want to read that story again, or I want to share it with a friend. Uh, and I never had that before. I never had the passion for the Bible like I do now. When you're sitting in church, you're hearing the music and you're you know, sitting next to a granddaughter or a best friend or you've got friends across the way and you know that when you leave, you've got someone to share what you just heard with. And that's what we're called to do, have that community. And the community that First Christian offers me, I'll be forever grateful. So to everyone in both the West and the East auditoriums, if we've entered into God's presence through worship, what should we expect to happen there? Scripture would indicate it would be a restoration of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, an opportunity to have conversations with God. You know, our Scripture tells us that the, uh, the first humans, Adam and Eve, the book of Genesis says they walked with God every day in the evening. Now, this is before sin entered into humanity's existence and everything got really messed up. But Scripture says that um, they'd do their jobs through the day in the garden, and then God would show up and they'd walk with God. And I often wonder what they talked about. How cool would it be to say, well, here's God right here, and I'm going to have some... Com there's, some there's some things maybe God could tell me. I would certainly have some questions, like, God, what's with the poplar trees, the gray and the white bark? That's really cool. Or I, I wonder if Adam ever said, hey, God, you've given me this job. I'm supposed to name all the animals. Do you know there's way more animals than I have memory? And since writing hasn't been invented yet, how am I going to do that? How am I going to remember that sort of thing? Um, what happens in worship is we get into a conversation with God, and we are physically and spiritually, can be, we can be physically and spatially, if you will, and spiritually renewed to where that conversation of God is restored. What do we say in that conversation? Well, we read in Psalm 100, You've heard the kids say it over and over ago. You tell the story. His love endures forever. You tell the story of how God has worked in our lives and we give it with thanksgiving and praise. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in a little, little church. It was a family church. And when I say it was a family church, I mean it was a family church. There was my dad's family and my mother's family. That was it, pretty well. The building um, probably might have had 75 seats in it, maybe, perhaps. And uh, all us boy cousins, I remember elementary age, we always sit in the second row on what was the organ side. The piano was over there, the organ was here, and we would sit in the second row, and I think there were maybe seven of us from the aisle all the way over to the wall, and uh, my grandfather on my father's side was the pastor. Bivocational, the church wasn't large enough to support him, nor my uncle, Uncle John, the plumber, who was also bivocational, but he was the associate pastor. My grandfather drove an ambulance for a living. And um, halfway through the service each week, Grandpa would say, okay, are there any, is there anybody who would like to give a testimony? You know, give thanks to God for something. And we would all, all us cousins on the Kent side, they were all Kents, um, would be sitting there waiting for my grandmother on the Darnell side to stand up. This is my mother's mother. 
she had struggled with mental illness for much of her early life, her early adult life. And it was when I was born that she kind of cleared up. No, I won't say. No, no, it was as, I, as the grandkids came along in her, in her late 40s into her 50s that in many ways her mind began to clear. And um, we would wait for Grandma Darnell every week to stand up and she'd kind of give something that would reiterate the way in which she could think clearly and God had restored her. And my, my cousins would kind of rib me and you know, punch me in the elbows. Your grandmother's saying the same thing. But you know what? Doesn't the same thing bear repeating when it's something really good? Doesn't the same thing bear saying, I'm rejoicing in what God has done because this is really good? As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 4 puts it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. What are the good things that you can rejoice with God about? And you're sitting in God's presence today. What are the good things that you can rejoice about? It says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. What is it that God has done in your life? that bears repeating. The kids just did it for us over and over again. His love endures forever. His faithfulness carries on. Our church, the size of who we are, and two auditoriums, and multiple services, and just the significant number of people, we can't do a testimony time in the way in which I did as a kid. But on the other hand, I wish we could. But we have a way in which we're going to try it today. I want you to get out your phone, okay? And, uh, we're going to see if we can't get a texting service go. I need to tell you, AT&T texting rates apply, all right? That's just a joke, just a joke, okay? And there's a phone number. You, you can't call this number. You can only text, okay? Last night, we had some people try to call the number, which was kind of weird. We just need you to text. Answer this question. One or two word answers to this question. What is admirable, lovely, excellent, or praiseworthy? What has God done in your life? And then later on the worship service, we're going to see what we've learned together. And in a new way of doing testimonies, we're going to hear about what God has done in your life. So Jonathan's here on the front row here in the West Auditorium. He's collecting everything from both auditoriums. And in a few minutes, I'll bring them back to you right from my phone. And we'll declare the really good things that God has done in our lives. All right? As one big congregation doing it together. In the meanwhile, though, while we get ready to hear what good things are happening, we're going to spend some time gathering around the Lord's table. We do that because um, Jesus told us to, frankly. And so we're going to hear the scriptures in a few minutes, and we're going to also pray the Lord's Prayer. And while, while we do that, Leslie's coming to sing. And um, I've asked Leslie to sing this song. It's kind of old school, as a matter of fact. Let me see, tell you how this came about a number of months ago. Leslie was asked to sing at a, a seniors event for people who are well, they're older than me, but barely. One year older than I am, okay? But nonetheless. That, so they, they gathered, and uh, we were asked to, to go old school in that regard. And so we, we chose some songs that probably we haven't heard or done in a long time. And some of you, these song, this song she's about to sing was written before you were born. In the midst of singing this song, we had something occur that was kind of stunning. I looked out over the audience, and a lot of people were weeping. It's an old song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And I was struck again that struggle and the need for hope is not dependent upon any one generation. 
You know, those of us who are younger, we tend to think that our senior saints have it all figured out. But in my conversations with those people, they don't have it all figured out. They're still trying to figure out how God's working in their lives and the places of struggle, the places of hurt. I talk to young people. I spent some time with teenagers this week, and they're trying to figure it out, trying to say, where's God in all of this? And by us telling the story over and over again, we are reminded. Leslie uh, has a really way, important way of understanding why this song is important to her. Many of you know Leslie spent a long time in prison. Dead quiet. <laughs> she did? Yes, she did. Leslie's been in virtually every prison in the country traveling with Chuck Colson. And one time on death row, this song came up. Y'all going, she was in prison. Yes, she was in prison all the time. Take away, honey. What an intro. <laughs> Thank you, dar darling. I call him my warden. Um, what? Stay at the piano. What? Since when? It's my turn. <laughs> when I got the call to go into this particular ministry, they said, I said, I'm, I'm not sure about this. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like Rebecca Sunnybrook Farm going to prison. And they said, we really want you to come. And so I went and I got my itinerary for the week. I was sent to Columbia, South Carolina. And I noticed something that I, I assume was a misprint. It said, Leslie Kent, death row. I'm like, this is not the way to introduce somebody to prison ministry. So I went to the office and I said, y'all have made a mistake. This has my name in death row. I thought I'd be doing a work camp or something like that. I said, no, this is where you need to go today. And I need to be really honest with you and tell you I was the woman of faith and power and just went in strong and fearless, but I wasn't. I went in wide-eyed and scared and thinking I have no idea what I'm about to see because I know people didn't go to death row for singing in the choir, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's reality. So anyway, we, we walked through the bowels of this prison. I mean, more doors and, and, and fences and... I had officers escorting me back, and um, I was with a few other team members. And then he said, ma'am, we're at the row. And I said, all right. And they opened the door, and he said, you sit here. And I did, and I watched him. The officer went, and he took his keys, and he opened many of the cells. Not all of them, but many of them. And I saw men come out with well-worn Bibles, and, and instead of looking at me or paying attention to me, they begin to talk to one another. He says, Brother, I was praying for you last night in my cell, and God told me this. What, what did God speak to you through the Word this morning? And I looked at their dog-eared, well-worn Bibles, and I, I need to tell you, I was humbled. They loved one another. They called themselves the church on life row because they knew Christ. Anyway, I, I was still sitting exactly where I was told to sit. I didn't dare move. And this man comes up to me and goes, hey, you gonna sing? I said, only if you want me to. <laughs> you, know, you call the shots. But um, anyway, I, he says, I wanna sing first. I said, absolutely, you sing first. And they brought out this big old, you remember the big old boom boxes? I mean, the ones that were first introduced, I mean, they were huge boom boxes. And he looked at the officer and he said, can I sing? And the officer said, sure, you can sing. And the officer went to his little office and he brought out a cassette tape. And he put it in and I sat there and I heard a man sing, 
on death row who knows pretty much the day that he's going to die, saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I need to tell you, I sat there literally in a puddle. I wept and I wept. And this young man, he looked at me, he goes, he got up and uh, he went upstairs to the second tier of cell and he brought me two little squares of toilet paper. And he goes, here, lady, you leak. <laughs> I said, thank you, thank you. I do. <laughs> but I need to tell you, that moment profoundly changed me forever. In the what ifs, the uncertainties, and day-to-day -day living, it's for you, it's for me, that because of Christ and what He did, we can face tomorrow. And so let's have communion together. Remembering Jesus' death and his, body, his, his broken body and then his resurrection. Scripture tells us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in my remembrance. In the same way, after supper, he took the cups and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is a new promise God is making. Drink it in remembrance of me. And... Uh, we eat and we drink, remembering that Jesus died. But what's interesting is when Paul the Apostle tells that story, he adds a tagline. He says, you should do this. Do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ until he comes again. Why can he come again? Because he rose again. Death is conquered by life. Struggle is conquered by us today as one church in the presence of God declaring the goodness of God through the work of Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you to eat and drink, even as we start to do that by praying. God, again, we thank you. We heard the little kids over and over again. Your love endures forever. Your faithfulness for all generations. Huh. We're so thankful for that. We're so thankful that because Jesus Christ lives, we can face tomorrow. And so today, uh, because of today and tomorrow and the tomorrows after that, we remember his death and how it has erased our sin. We are forgiven people through Jesus Christ. Praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How is it that a prisoner on death row could sing a song like that? I mean, <laughs> I got a th the, the teacher I had in fourth grade was a woman by the name of Miss, Miss Hogan. And Miss Hogan would often ask us, well, how old are you, 10 years old in 10th grade? What do you want to be when you grow up? And we'd give a variety of answers. I doubt that the fellow who sang that song on death row in his version of Miss Hogan's fourth grade class, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to, when I grow up, I want to murder somebody so I can be on death row in South Carolina. That's probably not what he, how he answered that question. 
I think all of us in the fourth grade, you can't anticipate all the twists and turns of life that are going to come to you. And if, if you're a kid here today and you're in the fourth grade or the fifth grade or the 10th the grade, you're a sophomore and you, or you're in college and you go, man, how's it all going to turn out? I, I don't know exactly, but I don't know this. I, I, I don't think I could name all the really cool things that were going to happen. In fourth grade, I couldn't do that. And I certainly know that in fourth grade, I couldn't comprehend some of the struggles that were going to come along. Because like, like everybody, like you, you've had great moments. You've had moments when it hasn't been so cool at all. It hasn't been very good at all. I mean, you've had great moments in your career, and it's just gone extremely well. You've had moments in your marriage where you go, man, it doesn't get any better than this. And there have been great moments with kids have come along for some people, or... Um, you, you look at your, your bank account, you go, man, how do I end up with this much? You think about the house you live in or the places that you've got to go on vacation and you look at your health and you go, man, it's all good and my spirituality say, and everything is right with God. And so for some, it's all those things I've just mentioned are places where it's really good. And yet for others, you go, man, my career hasn't gone the way I wanted it to go. Or some here today would say, my marriage the first one ended in not a way expected, and the second, and sometimes the third and the fourth. And the kids, for some of you today, would say, they didn't turn out like I'd hoped. For some, it's a problem with health, or your house is a wreck. You never have gone on a vacation that you enjoyed. What do you do with that when it doesn't turn out? when there are breaks in relationships and there are illnesses and, and you've had to mourn deaths that you never anticipated in the fourth grade in Miss Hogan's class. What do you do? You go back to what we did with Psalm 136 with the kids. We say, these are the good things that have occurred. This is what's excellent and noble and praiseworthy. And in the presence of God, I will declare the great stuff. And yet in the presence of God, I'll also indicate and tell God about the places where I need some help. So, we asked you a few minutes ago to tell us the things that are going really well. Do you want to hear what you said? This is coming now from across our congregation. I'm grateful for kids and grandkids and the husband coming to church with me. And there's, there's a word here that says there's hundreds of people have responded. I don't, we won't get to every, there we go. We won't get to everyone's testimony today, but we'll get to some. I've overcome addictions. I'm really grateful for my family. I'm really Here's somebody say, I've got two beautiful adopted boys. Somebody with a big exclamation mark. I've got an unborn son coming. How cool is that? What's excellent and praiseworthy? What are the things that we say, God's faithfulness has come through? He was faithful in blessing our family with children after a long time of waiting. I'm thankful for life's challenges. I'm thankful for our marriage, for the beautiful fall colors. God has brought me a new life learning who I am and what I mean to the Lord. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Somebody says, I'm thankful for beauty from ashes. I'm thankful for endless creativity. I'm thankful that God has directed my steps. I'm thankful that God has given me a new heart and a mind that is undivided. That sounds like my grandma. I'm thankful for hope as a single mom that I'm working to make my kids proud. I'm thankful that my son-in-law accepted Christ. I'm thankful for God's healing. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says this about this business of being thankful and being observant of who he is in our lives. It says in 1 Thessalonians 
Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. Rejoice. Pray. We get to do that within the presence of God. People of faith, if you're a person of faith in Jesus Christ today, you say, I will rejoice always. I'll pray continually. I'll give thanks in all circumstances. You know why? Because God is a good God. We declared that as a congregation. You are a good God. You are a good God. Psalm 100 says, To enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Declare that this is a good God we serve. Life is troublesome at times. Yes, Jesus said that. But I have overcome the world. I've overcome the trouble. Because I died, I live, and we get to follow right behind that. So to that end, I'm inviting everybody in both rooms, please, in both the East and West Auditorium. Would you stand together, please? And um, I'm going to help us rejoice, ask you to rejoice, and I'm going to ask you to pray. Here's what we're going to do. It is the habit of this congregation that most weekends, most worship services, we give people an opportunity to have a moment of prayer with one of the leaders of our church. And so there are going to be people in both the East and the West Auditorium today who, if you would like to pray and say, you know, this is really cool what God has done, we'd like to ask you to step forward and pray with one of those leaders. If you say, hey, I'm in the midst of my rejoicing, I'd like to pray about this, then I invite you to step forward as well. If you're here today and all this stuff is brand new to you and you go, man, I don't even know what it means to follow Jesus, we can get just started on that today. So there are going to be leaders in the front of both rooms. Les is going to start us off by praying for us as a whole, as a whole congregation, and then we invite you to step forward as an individual and receive prayer. And as you come forward, you know what's going to happen? The congregation is going to support that with worship and praise, declaring we serve a good God. And Think about, the, think about what's taking place in the heavens right now. As we worship God, we are in the presence of God. That's, that's the thank you. That's the password. We worship God, and God is here to meet your needs. So as soon as Leslie is done praying, I invite you to step forward and let us declare the praises of God. Let us be people who pray together. And Father God, we do come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We love you and we bless your name. We know that you are here in our midst. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for courage, for faith to continue to arise in us, to believe that you are God, you are good, and that you are faithful, and that you are want to move in all of our lives. So we trust you this day. In Jesus' name.